Hello and welcome to Cook to the Bull in the post shoot apocalypse. I'm Ben, and as always, I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And Pete. Hello. And today we're going to be slightly sciencey. Yes. The science officer's choice this week. We're going to talk about exoplanets and we're going to go through some of the weirder ones that they found. How we find them, what they are, and just how fecking weird they are. Loving it. Mm. Space, people. Space. Are we going to see some aliens? Mm. No, just alien worlds. We don't know there's life there. There might be life there. That's, we don't know. We don't know yet. No. Because Blackburn lost today as well. That's put me on a downer. England are losing as we speak in rugby. Uh, we missed a penalty and they conceded a goal in the 92nd minute. Liverpool won, 2 0. I'm happy with that. Yeah. It's been a shitey week, in all fairness, but let's thank some new and returning listeners or a selection of them that I will choose at random. Niles in Michigan, Telford, our hometown in the United Ooh. Kingdom, shout out to you. Ankara in Turkey, Berlin, Germany, Phoenix, Arizona, Huntington in the UK. Coming Georgia, Isle of Wight, Makar in Saudi Arabia. Wouldn't get caught listening to us out there, buddy. Banja Luka in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Thank fuck for football internationals, otherwise I'd have no idea how to pronounce that. (laughs) Peterborough in the United Kingdom, Surbiton in the United Kingdom, Bologna in Italy, Gruningen in the Netherlands, Oral in Kazakhstan. What a great place. I was drawn to that one. Yeah. Viv, Ukraine. Well, Ukraine, someone's listening to us in the Ukraine. Yeah. Welcome and Spread good luck and Ukraine. we're on your side. I'm with you, buddy. Friend. If I could send you an anti-tank missile, personally I would, but civilians aren't allowed to own one. Oh, they're draconian laws. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, we're with you. Love with you, mate. Kolkata in India, Toledo, Spain, Dublin, Ireland, Madrid, Spain, Dexter, Missouri. Yep. Pinner in the UK, Aliso Vejo. In California. Nice. Yeah. Bengaluru in India, Guadalajara, Spain, and Ashburn, Virginia. Hey, Ashburn. Hello. Thanks for listening. Indubitably. So, let's ask the question. What's an exoplanet? Is it a planet that's got life on it, or that something like Earth... Earth-like planet. No, it just basically means a planet that's not in our oh. solar system. It's something oh. that's orbiting another sun. Yeah. Basically. You mean, I spent uh, all this time doing these. There are some planets out there that don't orbit a sun that have been thrown out of a solar system. Yeah, but they probably would have orbited a solar system. planets. Yeah. I spent all this time doing fan art of planets wearing some sort of weird exosuit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Oh, well. So, exoplanets are planets orbiting distant stars beyond our solar system, and today astronomers calculate that for every star we can see in the night sky, there is on average at least one exoplanet in orbit around it. Now, does anyone know how many stars you can see in the night sky? 742,463. Lower. Oh. 300,000. Lower. Really? 100,000. Lower. 5,000. Very close. 4,000 approximately. Ah, okay. That's obviously without light pollution. Yeah. That's the maximum you can see the naked eye. Okay. That's because they're too far away to see with the naked eye. But I've been in parts of Saudi Arabia where it's completely pitch black at night. 
Yeah. And you can literally just see thousands of stars, like yeah. a sheet. Yeah. But for the, as far as your eye can see, sure, if if you could somehow count them, I reckon you'd be counting more than four thousand. That's what they reckon, and there's some astronomers. But uh, is that on average, though? Is it? Well, I guess with twenty twenty vision, you know, with no light pollution, the maximum you can see is about four thousand. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just mad because, like I say, it's just. I'm it looks just a lot, a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing what I've seen in well, picture, my can early you years. Picture 4,000 people. What that looks like, I can't. In a crowd. I kind well, of. On one side of a stadium. Can, yeah. Yeah. I, the only reason I can is from when I watched Lee Evans live. And I remember counting the seats in the square bit at the front three of us stood right at the back. <laughs> You don't have to have a good time, don't you? No, no, no. <laughs> you're waiting at the beginning, and I was thinking, oh, how many people are there? And I was like, ah, Then he works out how, you know, times the ticket price. Times the ticket price. No, I just like counted the row. Count, and was like, how many spare seats here? I remember thinking, oh, there's like 400 people in that <laughs> section there. And then there was like lots of squares of people. All, I was like, fuck it, hell, there's a few thousand people sat down there. Usually people have a beer. Yeah. I was so yeah. bored waiting. Over 300 <laughs> spare seats. Now, we got there about half impressed. an hour early, so we were just sat there waiting for like half an you hour. another beer then? I was <laughs> driving, I couldn't drink, so. Oh, that's your mistake. I had to keep myself occupied. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's got their kinks. <laughs> now, the concept of exoplanet is hardly new. As far back as 1584, Italian philosopher Giandro Bruno suggested that space was filled by an infinity of worlds of the same kind as our own. And then he was burnt at the stake. Probably. <laughs> Which? And of course, there's every possibility that these do hold life, isn't there? And that's the thing. We're, we're looking outside our solar system, they're orbiting a the sun. There's the, the Goldilocks zone. Yeah, can we look at how far they are away from their own suns and, and see if there's any that are similar kind of distances? Yeah, we've found some. Yeah, is it seventy at the moment? Isn't this there? Is it that we think could be capable of holding life? They're in their right zone. Mm. And the chances are, if they've got bodies of water, end off. Mm, they been... are holding life. Well, you say that. But there's yeah. one planet they found that's got a large body of water, but it also has a distinct disadvantage to living there. We'll get to that at the end. Yeah. It's got large bodies of water. There's also a very distinct disadvantage. If it's within that sweet zone like we are, and it's got water, and I suppose if there was somehow you could see with these awesome satellites that got mega telescopes on them or whatever, and then you could see a bit of green and a bit of water... You could almost pretty well guarantee think it's just there's more life of some sort on there, even if it is just plant. The way we're going to detect it is where the gas is in the atmosphere. Okay, if there's yeah, oxygen, there's life. Yeah. Life well, potentially we know life. It. Yeah. That's yeah. why fire... Du -du 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 fire. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Every time someone says fire, I have fire. to do it. So I'll start at the TA. The only known occurrence of fire is on our planet. Ooh. Because you have to have, I think it's between 17 and 21% oxygen yeah. for fire to burn. Well, we're <laughs> the only planet that we know of life that has that amount of oxygen, so every other planet there isn't fire that we know of. Mm. Wow. I've just been blown away by mm. science and not in an ejaculatory way. <laughs> I was. Wow. Mm. Wow. Brian Cox. So, <laughs> <laughs> Cox. Yeah. 
Over the past century, numerous authors, TV directors and film producers set their stories on planets beyond our own solar system. But in the summer of 1991, it seemed that exoplanets were finally about to switch from science fiction to science fact. Dun, dun, dun. Sci-fi. Sci-fact. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Oh, sci-fi. Sci-fi. Ah. <laughs> Here's some third rock from the sun. Ah, interesting. I do vaguely remember that. It was great, wasn't it? I love it. It was on Channel 4 not Mm. that long ago. Probably still trotting around, to be fair. I caught most of it. It was on in the mornings. Yeah. Yeah, I caught most of that, like, a couple of years back now. Got a bit shit towards the end, didn't it? That's the problem with Americans. They never know when to kill off a sitcom. No. First two, three series were genius. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Anyway, the first exoplanet was discovered when observations carried out at Jodrell Bank Observatory in Cheshire, not that far from us. I got no. dragged there on a school trip a couple I've been of times. On a school trip, yeah, about yeah. seventy miles away, isn't it? I've never that. been. Haven't it? No. Oh, you love that shit. You make love to one of those satellites. Maybe we should go. It's got a planetarium and everything. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we should go have a field trip. Yeah, man. Do our podcast. Uh, and there are, you know, as you're coming yeah. towards them, the satellites, you know, as you're driving towards them, they're huge, huge. Wow. You know, you've been that way on the motorway and, and seen them because you can see them from the road. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think I've never. I've always driven myself up there, so. Yeah, you're not really you looking They detected a planet orbiting a pulsar, which is the dense remnant of an already exploded star. Now, pulsars are so called because thanks to their rapid rotation, the beams of light they emit sweep across Earth at regular intervals. From our perspective, pulsars appear to flicker like a lighthouse beam, and the rate at which the pulses are seen from Earth implies the pulsar's spin rate. So the faster it's spinning, more light. Makes sense. Unfortunately, the team at Jodrell Bank soon discovered a systematic error in the software used to analyse the pulsar data. Though once corrected, the detectable drag on the pulsar's spin, thought to have been due to unseen planet's mass, vanished. Yet immediately after, Jodrell Bank's Andrew Lyon had officially retracted his team's findings at the January 1992 meeting of the American Astronomical Society held in Atlanta, he was followed on stage by Alexander Vulsjan, I, I believe that's how you say it, Vulsjan, principal author of a paper that detailed his own detection of at least two planets around another pulsar. And this was a confirmed, it was the first confirmed discovery of exoplanets. So he's gone there and gone, yeah, there was a glitch in our software. We don't think any of this is true. And then he comes on immediately after and goes, yeah, it's fucking true. I found two. Found two? Well, you've got Jodrell Bank. Yeah. And we had some, who's our software broke, sir? Shut up, Jodrell Bank. Embarrassing. Mm. Mm. There's more than 4,000 stars in that picture. Yeah, but that's a shot of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably an artist impression. And then that's Jupiter. So yeah, you'd see a lot more from Jupiter than you would from Earth. Why is that? It's further out, isn't it? Quite a way out. Yeah, I suppose it, yeah. So Voloscan was particularly interested in millisecond pulsars which spun hundreds of times a second. He had found it difficult to devise a sufficiently accurate mathematical model to explain how one particular millisecond pulsar designated and that's the thing with exoplanets, the names are a bit dull. Oh yeah. PSR B1257 plus 12. Catchy. Catchy. You know how that was behaving. Every time I came up with a model and then took some more data, the model failed to predict the pulse arrival times, he says. 
and following a concentrated observation period of almost a month, Vulshan began to see a regular glitch in the rate that pulses reached Earth. Now many pulsars have companion dwarf stars providing material and energy, but Vulshan realised that the observed peculiarities in these pulses were best explained by the existence of two planetary mass objects around the star. So as it comes past it... It winks out. Yeah. And they're like, well, what's causing that? It's got to be a planet, hasn't it? Yeah. Or is it some kind of giant space creature that we don't know about? Space squids, space <laughs> whales, void monsters. Space dragons. Or an opposite of a solar space flare. Dragons. It just go, you know, the sun just goes a bit dimmer. But I guess if you're doing it for a month and it's regular and it's timed and there's a yeah. heat of time in it, mm -hmm. then I guess that it'd have to be, wouldn't it, if it's regular as clockwork? So unlike the Jodrell Bank team, Wolfscan knew that his result wasn't simply down to something in the data analysis software. I said analysis! Hey! Hey! Finally! As he had previously observed another binary pulsar, they had not shown the same irregularities. And together with a fellow astronomer, Dale Frail, <laughs> Wolfscan's recordings were independently confirmed several months later. And then in 1995, an exoplanet was discovered for the first time around a sun-like star, 51 Pegasi, better name. Mm -hmm. That's nice. the star, yeah. Yeah, better name. By Michael Mayer and Didier Quilos. This hot Jupiter, a massive gas giant in close orbit around its parent star, also came as a complete surprise. So by finding different types of exoplanets, astronomers can learn much more about our own solar system. We know that hot Jupiters, for example, can't have formed so close to their stars, so they must have formed farther out and moved in. Oh. This suggests planets can move from their original formation sites, and then the suggestion that in the early days of our own solar system, there was a lot of movement, Jupiter and Saturn moving in, Neptune and Uranus perhaps being pushed out, Uranus, <laughs> perhaps being pushed out and even swapping places. It's supposed that this giant gas ballet is likely to have caused the late heavy bombardment, a period about half a million years after the formation of the solar system, during which large amounts of material were fired towards the inner planets. Is that what the asteroid belt, no? Yeah, pretty much. The most thing that's beneficial to us is when we find something like a super-Earth that don't exist in our own solar system. And the more we learn about other star systems, the more unusual our own solar system appears. Could be a uh, human race's saviours if we find like a habitable planet, couldn't we? Mm -hmm. If you could somehow reach that distance. Well, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> I think it takes 40,000 years to reach the nearest star by chemical propulsion. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so that's some serious amounts of adrenochrome to keep you young. Well, either you'd have to find a way to freeze ourselves. Stasis, yeah. Or go faster than light. Be multi generational. Yeah, multi generational. So you'd have forty thousand years of existing in in space on a spaceship. You'd soon get inbred. That you you couldn't manage it. Or somehow you can have robots birth people on the planet right. artificial wombs okay i don't trust them robots mike but then yeah. they'd have to care for the babies until they're old enough so they'd have to be 
high technology. What if once we're out of our solar system, things change a little bit that they've never really understood or seen, and time slows down? But yeah, like goes against the laws of physics. Doesn't as it? we understand them. As we understand them. Yeah, but they do say when you get close to a black hole, time slows down, things like that. But as yeah, that's like a phenomena, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but how do you know there's not some other phenomena that's Oh, like, yeah, that's true. Because that's that's so I mean, it's it's good, it does that. It's a good point. It could give you the ability. No, because we can see our whole galaxy spinning. Yeah. If we can see our whole galaxy spinning, that suggests that they're on the same time frame as us. You know, and we can see other galaxies. Find a black hole, you could slingshot around it and use its gravitational pull to make you faster. No, because every... every Planet's gonna have its own time zone, Claire, yeah, every, yeah, it's gonna go around the, yeah. um, the, 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 the sun. You know, it's, that's how it's measured in time, isn't it? Or well, most day, likely, yeah. The day and night, we presume aliens do it that way. Venus's days are a lot shorter than ours, aren't they? Yeah, because it's got a shorter orbit. Yeah. yeah. So everyone's got the the potential to have different times, but you, it won't feel any slower to you. Time will still be time. But in an infinite, in an infinite universe, anything is possible. And maybe there's mm. something, something out there we haven't seen that maybe does distort time in a way. We don't know that. We, don't, we haven't seen it. Say we and we've got infinite things to find out about the universe. Say we could reach a black hole, like in a couple of years or something, mm-hmm. and you got within touching distance of that black hole, and the time does slow down, and then you got out of it and came back to Earth... Everyone on Earth the age are, hundreds of years. That's, would the, have any age that's the thing. That's kind of what I'm wondering. Yeah. And then is there the, is there something that lies along that kind of concept that would allow you to travel further, faster? I don't know. You've got, uh, you got wormholes, haven't you? That's a possibility. Yeah, there's all sorts of... So, yeah. But I do think the only realistic way is like faster than light. If you can bend space and... Mm. Bend gravity... Use gravity to bend space and time and create little short wormholes. Yeah, we're not that powerful. But then isn't gravity something that's only unique to us as well? No, the gravity's everywhere. Gravity's in everything. The the, the, the nucleus of the atoms which make up everything are held together by gravity. We don't know why gravity's so weak. The the reason they can split in the atom requires a huge amount of energy because they're all held together so tightly by gravity. Mm. Gravity um, is dependent on how fast we're spinning, doesn't it? And you know the Earth is spinning at. X. That's how big it is. It's how big it is, is it? Yeah, the mass. Yeah. That's why black holes and mass is massive. That's why they can distort space time. Yeah. We fucked up that though. There is every chance, of course, that Einstein was wrong and made a mistake somewhere because we base all of our laws of physics on Einstein stuff. But if he made a mistake in a calculation and it took him 50 years to realise, hey, maybe you can go faster than the speed of light. I mean, the guy from Boeing said that. We mentioned that several times. The guy who ran the Boeing Skunk Works, who said, We have the technology to take ET home. He said that. Didn't Stephen Hawking check all Einstein's shit out? Yeah, but. Doesn't mean that he's right. And and also, we don't know that Hawking wasn't a government shill. You know, maybe he's like, he says like, oh yeah, by the way, I I won't do a Stephen Hawking voice, but he says, oh, by the way, uh, UK government, I've done some research and found out that Einstein made a mistake and we can go faster than light. They just like, okay, shut the fuck up about that and pay him a load of money. Here's a new wheelchair, buddy. Go for it. (laughs) No. No. 
No, I'm not buying that. Nah. I think he was a great, great man. I have a lot of respect for Hawking. Yeah, R.I.P. Yep, R.I.P.D. indeed. The thing is, these exoplanets are fucking strange. That's because they're all... That's infinite, infinite galaxy, infinite possibilities. Personally, I think that it's uh, mankind's manifest destiny to go out there and inhabit the stars. I think we have to as a species. We have to stop looking at ourselves as separate entities on one planet and go, you know... We need to stop killing ourselves and killing this planet first. I mean, we could be killing aliens in space wars and taking their worlds. Ah, I don't think we should be setting off without knowing that, you know, one of these exoplanets is in the Goldilocks zone and provides, you know... Yeah, but, you know, on massive colony ships we could all build, we could send out people in... You got a colony ship then? See you later. It'll be multi-generational in that scenario. Oh, we're all frozen in stasis. So we go out there, we crash, we, we land. It's and we baby build. steps, in it? First of all, we've got to colonise Mars. Surely. That's number one. No, nope, void goes. ships, Mike. Straight out there. We're just going to go until we hit something. Why well, Mars? Mars hasn't got enough water and stuff. It has. It? It's got ice, hasn't it, Mars? It's got ice, yeah. Why Mars? It's got water underneath, maybe. Which way is Mars? Trapped in the permafrost. <laughs> it's the next planet to us. You can't say which way is it. <laughs> it changes constantly. Be close to the sun. Further no, it's further, it's further away. It's one along. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. we don't want to, you know. Because in how many million years are we going to be engulfed by the sun? Million billion. Oh years? God, it's uh, we talking hundreds billion. of millions, hundreds of billions. You... No, I put about another two billion for engulfed the earth. Well, it'll become uninhabitable. Yeah, eventually. That, yeah. yeah. So oh, we've yeah. got to start thinking of something. Yeah. We've got we've got plenty of time, but we should get on it. Yeah. Well, we like I said, we need to sort this planet out first. Stop no, we just abandoned it, Mike. It's ruined. Get to the next oh, one. We've only got 300 billion years. Let's go. <laughs> Forget it. It's gone. <laughs> Sorry, well, may- maybe there's aliens out there that won't let us until we learn these lessons. Then we'll wipe them out because that's what humanity is <laughs> good at. Finding new things and killing them. Maybe aliens will get to us by the time that, you know... Oh, they're already here. They're already here, Claire. We all know this. Or maybe there are no aliens. Or maybe they're listening to this podcast now and they're going to put in a preemptive strike now because they've just heard who they think is the leader of the world, Ben, <laughs> saying they're going to kill the aliens. They're going to kill us all. Oh, we're doomed. We're doomed. It's game over, man. It's game over. We've got to get there first, Sam. Your recklessness and hubris has cost us... <laughs> <laughs> it's doomed us all. <laughs> they can't be listening to this because it's got to be put out on radio waves, isn't it? And it would, like, you know, go through the. Are you telling me that aliens haven't like... got the technology yeah. to listen to our tinto? One radio waves travel at the speed of light. Right. Okay. Do they? Yep. Well, I guess. So, in, mm. in some galaxy far, far away, you know, any radio waves that we've sort of produced over the last whatever, you know. 50,000 years. 50,000 years? Yeah, radio for 100 years. I was going to say 100 years. How long has radio been at? 140 years? 1890s something, 1880 something maybe? Anyway, radio. Ever radios. since then. So it's 100, say 150 years. 150 years. So it's 150 light years away that first radio signals are reaching now. There we go. So, yeah. So the nearest planet is, I think, Four light years away, is it? Mm. So the radio waves have gone way past that now. Oh man, there's yeah, aliens out there listening to the Titanic sinking. Yeah, it'd be pretty scary, wouldn't it? We're getting all these, like, you know, sounds from a far, far yeah. away world. Imagine all the World War II kind of. Imagine if, mm. if we picked that up from an alien race. Mm. 
I'd be having soap yeah. opera every week, wouldn't it? What's happening on Quigar? Uh, this week? Yeah. Well, at first you wouldn't know what they were saying, you know, because we're just, a, you know... They were, Alien language, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think? I think they're scat talking, Claire. There's a bunch of jazz speaking aliens out there. In which case, I am. If they, we encounter aliens and they talk in scat, we're going to wipe them out. Scott, I'm going to dance with them. I'm not having that. Maybe Scott's an alien. at the front of the. I was, we're just gonna run with a sword or something. <laughs> Maybe Scatman John was an alien. Oh, oh. That's just my impression of an alien, like, you know. <laughs> I'm the Scatman! Have you ever seen the film Arrival? No. Yes. And they meet aliens, they're like big giant squid things. Okay. And they communicate with their ink, don't they? That's they right. spray ink and they draw pictures. And okay. Well, because their concept of time is different to us, oh, it's, it's really quite complicated isn't it it's well, a, it's, <laughs> when they meet the aliens it's, it's very complicated it explains stone on the podcast right any uh, research we'll leave that there then yeah. <laughs> anyway the, it's on Netflix so people can watch it yeah and there's a linguist and she has to try and work out what they're saying and in the end she does she figures out some basic yeah can converse with the aliens but it's it might be something as weird as that yeah yeah it could be absolutely they could communicate by sticking their things in the, each other's orifices he could like, do what they've be, been doing all these years well like, like Avatar I guess you know where they connect those bloody that things that was a bit up. weird I thought ah, I thought that movie sucked I liked it. it was alright. I liked it. What a hippie bullshit in the middle of it ruined it. Had a good story. Let's all sit around let's all sit around the earth trees. Oh fuck off. I'd do that blue woman. I wouldn't say I wouldn't do the blue chick. That's <laughs> how I do it. I'm a slut for aliens. <laughs> I do the green chick on Star Trek. Oh, the Star well. Trek, oh the green chick. Oh, she's my like my ideal woman, the green with the red hair. They did. Absolutely. Goddamn Kirk. Second best captain. Yep. Next to Picard. Picard's best. Yeah. Picard's a superior captain. Anyway, so since the discovery of the first exoplanets in the 1990s, all manner of weird and wonderful worlds have been found orbiting distant stars beyond our solar system. And who wouldn't want to leave Earth the promise of an interplanetary trip to a strange exoplanet? Yeah. Well, you, but not me. I'll do it. Got nothing else going on. With thousands confirmed, the number of exoplanets discovered growing daily, you may get lucky. About half the sun-like stars out there are thought to have the potential to host life. That's about 300 million potentially habitable worlds in our galaxy. But don't pack your bags just yet, as some of these weird planets show you may be in for the holiday from hell. (laughs) And with a wealth of new exoplanet hunting missions in the pipeline... There could be plenty more strange worlds discovered over the coming years. Who wants to do the first one? HD198773B, where it rains glass sideways. That's the water planet I was on about. Uh Is it actual glass or is it, you know? Yeah. This is a nightmare world and it's uh, only 64 light years away and the closest hot Jupiter to Earth. It may look gorgeous with deep blue marble floating... What's that? Serenely. Serenely in space. 
but if you had uh, the misfortune to visit the massive giant, you'd soon regret it. As well as being spun furiously by winds blowing at 8,700 kilometres per hour, you'd also be cut to shreds by glass. Well, it's got to be real glass, and yeah, glass, glass rain. The planet's delightful blue colour is the reflection of the silicate. 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 Its atmosphere. The silicate that was heated when the planet's um, definitely 1,300 degrees Celsius temperature forms grains of glass. So what it is, it's like the... Celsius grade. yeah. Silicate in the atmosphere is so hot that it forms glass and it rains down. That's fucking Because sand's made of glass, yeah. isn't it? Mm. So it could have been like a really, like, you know, sandy sand's sort Sand's not made of, of glass. Glass is made of sand. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Boned. Mike? Yeah. Okay, the next one, TOI849B, a world stripped bear. Discovered in 2020, it's no fun at all on TOI849B. This exoplanet orbits so tightly to its star that a year passes in 18 hours. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. yeah. So you have a birthday every 18 hours. 18 hours. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Oh, you should imagine the happy hangover. Birthday. Yeah, you're drinking. You wake not. up. <laughs> if a year's 18 hours, how long's a fucking day? So you like, wake up. Like, three minutes. Wake up, like, oh, morning, I'm just going to get some breakfast. Oh, it's bedtime. Good night. <laughs> oh, it's morning. Good morning. Oh, happy birthday. That's right. You think yeah. wouldn't do that with us? Ridiculous. Because it's spinning round so fast, it would still be going like dark and light. <laughs> do you think it would be relevant though? Like, dark and light. Yeah, I guess so. Our body clock is suited to this Earth, and That's even I mean. on that planet, it would still be so we'd be getting tired after about sixteen hours. Yeah, so like, what are you saying is, Mike? We need blackout curtains. Yes, <laughs> definitely. A lot of air conditioning. Yeah, because it's. it's the temperature's 1,530 degrees Celsius. Oh, like <laughs> Spain in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, I'll just find an English bar and have a fry-up every morning. <laughs> it's the largest rocky world yet discovered, 40 times as massive as Earth. It may even be the first Chthonian planet to be detected. I don't know what that means. The exposed remnant core of a gas giant that has had its atmosphere blasted away. It's had the gas atmosphere, so it's like a Jupiter that has had its gas blasted off it yeah. by the sun. So it's just a ball of rock now. Yeah. Rock and metal, I guess. Oh, so this is Wasp-12b. I like the sound of that. Well, that's a cool name. Puffed up planet in a death spiral. Metal! So just three million or so years from its eventual fiery demise, WASP-12b is spiralling inexorably. inexorably inwards towards doom at the hands of its yellow dwarf host star. New research has been has shown that the planet close to 600 light years away in the Auriga constellation is now close to... Now so close. It's now so close that it's begun wobbling and distorting under the spell of the star's gravity. Whilst intense stellar radiation has caused it to swell up so much that it's falling apart. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> you know? ripping, as you go around the sun, 
the sun's actually ripping off part of the planet yeah. into its atmosphere. So it's gone off its like you know sort of usual orbit and it's spiralling into it. Yeah. It only needs to be sort of knocked off. You know, if, if something would come and like an asteroid come and knocked it off direction, that could start that, couldn't it? Depends how big it is. It's eventually going to go anyway. Isn't it? It's going to get swallowed up by the planet. It's not going to be big enough. You'd need another planet. To have bashed that. Yeah, otherwise it's just going to get so close to the sun that the gravity will just break up and pull it towards it. Mm. Yeah. You know, that just supports the theory of planets flying about the place like pool balls, doesn't it? Yeah. So, have you got some that get caught in the orbit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Other we... ones that are just, you know... It's a nice, nice segue, that is, Blair. into space, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice segue, because that's exactly what this one is. Rogue oh. worlds, exoplanets on the loose. On the loose? On the loose. Many exoplanets may be scary and inhospitable, and they may come in different sizes, colours and densities, but at least they all reliably do one thing, orbit a star. Or do they? While most planets are locked in orbit around their sun, some worlds are actually roaming the galaxy untethered, like rogue samurais. They're uninhabitable though, aren't they? Guns for hire. They've got nothing to... Heat it. Yeah. They're, they're no just energy, big yeah. cold rocks. Yeah. Until they get into that position. Probably by killing the sheriff. See, there's a chance that that could go close to another star, catch an orbit, and then regenerate itself over time. You never know. Yeah, yeah possibly. But the distance between stars, like I said, is massive. So fast. Yeah. But so it would take a long time. Travelling. You never know, do you? Yeah. The universe is 14 billion years old, I reckon. Same as radio. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and if you got close enough to a, another a star, then the gravity would pull it towards it, mm. yeah. The cosmic ballet goes on. Well, there'll be nothing alive on it when it finds its new world, if it ever does. So catching sight of these hard to detect rogue planets will be one of the tasks for NASA's Nancy Grace Roman Space Telescope coming online around 2025. Coming to a space thing near you. Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace Roman. Interesting. One such planet is OT44, located 550 light years away in the constellation Chameleon. No one sing the song. Uh. The cosmic wonder is 11 times more massive than Jupiter and is thought to have a circumstellar disk of dust, rock, and ice. The recently identified OGLE 2016 BLG 1928. Oh, is another likely smaller than Earth. It's one of the lowest mass objects ever found using micro lensing techniques. Cool. 55 Cancer E, a diamond planet. Oh, look at the fucking size of that compared to the Earth. There's a picture of this now, and uh, five times. Yeah, easy three. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd well, say five. Yeah, no, four, I'd say four times the size of Earth. and very turquoise in colour. This exoplanet in orbit around the sun-like host star 55 Cancinary A may be a real gem. The first super-Earth discovered around a main sequence star. It was thought to be so abundant in carbon that 
thanks to an immense pressure of 2,700 degrees Celsius temperatures, its interior is made out of diamond. Fuck mm. yeah! Ah, ace. Elon Musk is going to be sending his rockets there to try and mine it. Yeah, but it's got no heat coming from the middle. You say that, but diamonds have their price massively overflated. There's no shortage of diamonds. If they if they got that planet, it'd be the last thing they'd ever go to because it'd drive the price of diamonds right down, wouldn't it? Everyone would be proposing left, right, and centre. They would. (laughs) Poor fools. That was a marketing thing as well. Get people to associate diamonds with engagement. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we did that on the marketing one, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And, and um, advertisements. Yep, check mm. out this, isn't it? Marketing yep. disasters. Marketing disasters. Like Coca-Cola saying that their Coke was full of spunk. <laughs> <laughs> their water. Oh, yeah, their water was full of spunk. <laughs> Even worse, in a way. Okay, next up is T-R-E-S-2-B, the darkest exoplanet. I bet that's where all the Sith live. Mm-hmm. Looks very Sith-like. It does look a bit Sith-like, doesn't it? It's so black, you can hardly make out its shape. Light just seems to fall into it. Hitchhiker's Ford Prefect may have been describing hot black Desiato's limo ship, but he could just as easily have been talking about TRES-2B, identified by NASA's Kepler Space Telescope in 2011. It's the darkest known exoplanet, reflecting less than 1% of any light that hits it. It orbits a star some 750 light years away in the direction of the constellation Draco. And is the darkest planet or moon ever discovered? Is it the home world of the reptilians? Or one of the home worlds, Mm. you can say. Wouldn't they? Because there'd be no light, you know, there'd be no light getting to it. It's sucking the light in because they want the heat to warm their cold blooded reptilian bodies. Sucks all the light in. So it's really hot down there. Yeah. Yeah. David Kipping from the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics says it's darker than the blackest lump of coal. There you go. I've never handled that much coal in my life, but I'll take his word for it. Kelt 9b, the hottest exoplanet. Ultra-hot Jupiter-type exoplanet Kelp 9b is so scorching that it's even hotter than many stars. It orbits so close to the sun that the surface sizzles at 4,300 Celsius. Fucking hell. It's so hot that it has an atomic iron and titanium in its atmosphere. Okay, so... And a year lasts less than a day and a half. Yeah, a year lasts less than a day and a half. Using data from the Spitzer Space Telescope, Spitzer, I think it is. Spitzer, researchers have found that the extreme temperatures on the planet's day side cause molecules of hydrogen gas to tear apart, only to recombine when they flow over the relative cooler turn into eternal, yeah, nightshade. eternal nightshade before being torn apart once more. They move back into the furnace. We're off. Mm. Sounds like hell. (laughs) HR5183B, the planet with the maddest orbit. It's mad, I tell you. It's mad! mad. There's a video of it. There is? Yep. HR5183B is in Norihori to orbit its star. 
Discovered in 2019, it's a glumping giant, three times more massive than our biggest planet, Jupiter, that ambles round in a leisurely 74 years, which is far more than Saturn's 29 Earth years, but it's close to Uranus's 84 years. Uranus. Yeah. What's strange, though, is its bizarre orbit, which sees it loitering on the outer reaches of its system before slingshotting into the centre, passing a hair's breadth from its host star before peeling away again. This mad behaviour has earned it the nickname the Whiplash Planet, and it's also been likened to a wrecking ball for its likely devastating effect on any other planets in the system that are trying to quietly orbit in a more orthodox system. Came in like a wrecking ball. Can we, can we see that little video? Yeah, Same. we just watched the video, haven't we? Yeah. You can it, check that its out. This orbit is so crazy that it crosses the path of three other little exoplanets. At or three point, close as well. What yeah, was it called one again? One point in its life, one of the one, you know one of those planets are going to get struck. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? What was it called yeah. again? So the listener can go check it out. HR five one eight three B. Yeah. You YouTube that, so 16 that. seconds. Okay, K218B, where a uh, swim may vaporise you. <laughs> so K2, twice the radius and eight times the mass of the Earth, has been a top contender for an Earth-like planet for years. So there was huge excitement when it was uh, announced in 2019 that water had been discovered in K2's atmosphere. For the first time, we'd found a rocky planet orbiting in the habitable, 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 had a habitable <laughs> zone of the star in which liquid water could potentially pool on the surface. Well, that's good, right? Yeah, yeah that's good. How far is it away? Sorry. Quite away. Yeah, it didn't say, but it's quite away. It might say. So before we could dream of luxuriating in uh, exotic oceans, though. It came to view that K2 may be far less friendly than mini Neptune's planet with a thick hydrogen atmosphere, a watery layer and a rocky iron core where temperatures and pressures are far too high to support life. Oh, that's not so good. No. no. New research suggests that K2 could hover in a third zone, planets that look like a gaseous mini Neptune but actually rocky planets covered in superheated, super-compressed seas where the water exists somewhere on the threshold between liquid and gas. Whoa. That's not so good. No, and it's topped by steamy water vapour atmosphere. Sadly, we have to put our swimming costumes away for now. Yeah, so go for a swim there and end up having your skin melted. Got yeah. it. I was looking forward to going there then. I liked uh. it all up and everything. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Mike. We have Hat P7B, an ultra hot Jupiter, dark as charcoal with a sapphire sky. Ooh, sounds lovely. It's larger than Jupiter on an orbital plane tilted 108 degrees relative to its host star, meaning it's almost in a polar orbit. It orbits the star so close that a year on this world is less than three days. In fact, it's over 20 times closer to the star than Earth is to the Sun. During Ooh. daytime on Hat P7B, Temperatures reach over 2,200 degrees C. That's hotter than many stars. Accordingly, the exoplanet is a kind known as an ultra-hot Jupiter. 
but it's also one of the darkest known worlds, about as dark as charcoal, absorbing over 97% of visible light that shines into it. Oh Jesus, imagine how hot that would be on there. It's, it's jet black and you're just stood there in a white spacesuit and you just it's on fire immediately. <laughs> So none of these are really suitable for us, are they? No, but they found how many thousands of exoplanets they found are potentially out there. 300 million, they said, didn't they? No, gotta be. well, yeah, but uh, potentially out there, yeah. I think we found about 5,000. Right. We're going to find Earth-like ones eventually. There's got to be some floating around. When this uh, super um, scope gets up and away in 2025, so yeah. three years away, that might really shine a light on some very viable ones mightn't it yeah I would hope and then they've just got to, out of reach then they've just got to discover yeah. a way to get there haven't they yeah. a way to travel fa but they must be on that otherwise why would they be bothering do you know what I mean they must be on because we've got to start something you know it's got to start somewhere yeah. hasn't it yeah wasp 76b the exoplanet that rains molten iron which will put a crimp on your day I'd imagine what would Require you to wear some kind of hat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Spotted in 2013 and further investigated by the Espresso instrument on the Very Large Telescope in 2020, WASP-76b is a planet that is tidal locked permanently to its parent star, BD plus 01316. This means that one side of the planet permanently faces a star, causing scorchingly hot temperatures of around 4,532 degrees Fahrenheit or 2,500 degrees C, which is hot enough to vaporise iron. So you'd need a hat that was made of something harder than iron? Yes. Or Titanium. you need to live on the cool side. Or live on the cool side. Wow. Then freeze to death, potentially, though. Because <laughs> the planet of WASP-76b, the side of it that faces away from it, is cooler by at least 1,832 degrees Fahrenheit, or a thousand degrees centigrade, but this means that when iron vapour is carried across the hemisphere by powerful winds, they are cooled, forming liquid droplets, and these droplets of molten iron that will then fall, bombarding the cooler side of the planet. <laughs> oh shit, that was my bad, sorry. You could get a job like, you know, getting the iron bits. Now when they're punching down like rain, the yeah. molten iron bullets punching down like rain, you need some kind of hat. Some sort of machinery to, to take the iron You'd need something like a, a bigger bit. tank. Yeah. Like a much thicker armoured tank, wouldn't you? You just live in and go around in. Live on the cold side. Harvest the iron bits to but make whatever you need to More make. tanks. More tanks. But then you're stuck in a tank with your family. With no sun at all. No. How would you grow stuff? You'd have, to have hy like a hydroponics tank tagging along, wouldn't you? That you'd have to make dashes to and stuff. Mm -hmm. Nah, fuck that. This this one sounds better. Right, a bit okay. like, uh... Galici 1132b, a planet that grew a uh, second atmosphere. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's similar to Earth in a striking number of ways. Its radius is only slightly larger, as is its mass. Even its age, 4.5 billion years old, it's similar to our planet. This world does have one difference. It orbits much closer to its red dwarf parent star, 
completed an orbit in just 1.6 Earth days. Not too dissimilar. No. 0.6 a day out. This proximity results in Galici 1132b experiencing a much higher surface temperature than our planet. uh, It'll be 278 degrees or 137 degrees C, so we still couldn't live there. No. No. Again, some kind of hat. And it's got intense radiation stripping away its atmosphere. So it comes with a big hat then. A suit of some kind. We're not living there. Yet, astronomers have recently discovered that something extraordinary is happening on Galici. The gravitational influence of its star, 20% larger than its sun... Than the sun. Than our sun. Than our sun, creates intense tidal forces that squeeze and stretch the planet. This flexing gives rise to a violent volcanic activity and causes gases to rush onto the world's surface. As we're not living there, then. Mm. No, it's part of its gassing you out every five minutes. Yeah. The gases are building a second atmosphere. And according to NASA, whilst this is exciting in itself, being the first time astronomers have ever spotted anything like this, the regrown atmosphere, due to its origin, also provides astrologists with a unique opportunity to study the interior chemical composition of the exoplanet by proxy. So... If we have more volcanoes go off, they're harmless, or vaguely harmless. Does that mean that our atmosphere will grow back? If it got stripped away, yeah, or to or repaired even, or grew a new one well, over yeah, time. Yeah, the trouble is that every time a volcano goes off on this planet, it's pumping CO two into the air. Yeah, so that's not good then. No, no. no. Oh well, less volcanoes. To be less fair. volcanoes. Gotcha. We'll start a movement, we'll start a petition, we'll get it started, we want less volcanoes in the world. I'll make some banners. Do it, get some badges made too. Yeah, man. How about Upsilon Andromeda B, a world of fire and ice? Well, I hope it's better than the fucking show. Finally, the ending of the show. The ending of the show, you're right. It was awesome until that, until the last season. Yeah. The final episode, mate, the final episode killed it. Let's make Bran our king. Yeah, why not? Oh, let's not reopen old wounds, man. One day we're going to an episode on Game of Thrones. It's going to be, why is Jon Snow the worst general ever and how mm. shit the ending was? Clay, you're going to have to start watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> you said that Back at this again. <laughs> Upsilon Andromeda B is another exoplanet. It's probably tidally locked to its host star, completing an orbit in just under five days. What makes this planet, which was previously known as Sapphire, is a better name. An extreme world is a radical difference in temperature between its day side and night side. While the day side experiences temperatures as high as 2,912 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 1,600 Celsius, the night side is considerably cooler, reaching temperatures as low as minus 4 degrees Fahrenheit, that's minus 20 degrees C. We could survive that, yeah. minus 20. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't do the, the 1,600. No, no, we'd have to stay on the one side. We could do that. Minus this, 20. This one's, this one's spinning, though. It's not... No, like, it's still always in one side. It's like that other planet, is it? Always on one side again? Yeah. Okay. Minus 20, though. We could live on that. Yeah. We're going to the hot side on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> not come back. Look at my tan, <laughs> Still sizzling. <laughs> it's like charcoal steak. <laughs> I was too 
miles within the, the hot side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, there's surely a point where it hits some kind of temperate zone. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was two miles. I got that close. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a thin strip, wouldn't it? Yeah. Around the... That'd be like the beach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the farmland. Mm. Planet. Black holes, extreme exoplanets. The most extreme exoplanets may not form their own stars at all, but instead could orbit supermassive black holes. I was trying to do a muse there. Planets form from the gravitational collapse of over-dense areas of protoplanetary clouds of gas and dust and supermassive black holes at the start of active galactic nuclei. At the heart of it. Well, that's AGN, sit at the centre of massive churning disks of such materials. Currently there is no evidence that such black hole orbiting planets or planets actually exist, but recent research modelling the dynamics of these disks of gas and dust does suggest that under certain conditions planet formation should occur in such regions. Should such processes occur, planets would form much further out from supermassive black holes than most planets do from their parent star. So distance, in fact, it could take a million years for such a world to complete an orbit. Why? Radiation from the AGN, the active galactic nuclei, could provide a constant supply of fresh material for planet formation, with the result of this could be runaway formation, meaning planets would reach sizes much more like Titanic than regular exoplanets, so a planet is a bigger planet. And a black hole planet. Yeah. Black, going round a black hole. Yeah. Theoretical at the moment. But interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Some youth intern come up with that, we'll call it planets. Yeah. Call it planets. <laughs> like Brinner, breakfast for dinner. <laughs> we have a fry up for your tea. Isn't that just brunch? No, brunch is midday. No later than 11 brunch. Yeah. So what's, so what's Brinner then? Brinner is when you just have your tea, but it's just a fry up. Or you have ice cream bacon. Ice cream bacon? Yeah, you put, get your ice cream out in scoops and you just cook some bacon, stick it in the ice cream. Brinner. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast for dinner. <laughs> you know what, Scrubs? No. Oh, I'll uh, explain it. Yeah. Turkey invents Brinner where he uh, like, mixes breakfast and dinner. So he has like, bacon ice cream and... I'd have bacon ice cream, wouldn't you? That'd be fucking delicious. <laughs> bacon is good with sweet shit, to be fair. Yeah, yeah fry up with chips. Is that, that's how you have it as, as your tea, isn't it? Yeah, you just put some chips Chip in it. Chips with it and yeah. then it's your tea, isn't it? They do that in the South, apparently. Mm. English breakfast normally always includes chips. Yeah, that makes sense. Does oh, it? I like it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll call that Britta. I don't like ash brown though. Oh, I like ash browns. They're nice chips though. If they're nice chips, I, I'd pick chips over ash browns. All it depends. Time. I like, I like, I like, I like a, a crispy ash brown with breakfast. I wouldn't have over chips. A nice crispy ash brown. And if it's got cheese in the middle, even better. What the fuck? Where does that come from? Audi. Cheesy ash browns. Uh, yeah, 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 they're the same shape as the Twinkies we had the other night. And he's got a hash brown Twinkie with cheese in the middle. Never. Yeah, because the other night we as Brits tasted Twinkies for the first time. Yes. Yeah. To yeah. our American friends out there, well jealous. Yeah. It costs us a pound for one Twinkie. Well, actually, it cost Ben 
four pounds for four Twinkies. They were good though. They, they were nice. Yeah. Five, did they? But it's like a pound for one of those little things. It's like well, I thought you'd get five in the packet for a pound. No, no, I think they're quite big. I, th I think a pound is too much. I think like maybe fifty p, seventy five p. I think if they're fifty p, get two for a quid. Fair dues. Because yeah. I bet in America, let us know if you ever want to. But how much is Twinkies in America? Do they cost you like a couple of dollars for a multi-pack or something, or what is it? I don't know what they I are. I hope it'd be a quarter. Fucking delicious, and I will. If you want to post me some, because apparently Twinkies will survive every apocalypse. Yeah, man. Hold them. As well as being a unit of measurement for the paranormal activity in New York City. Is it? Well, is it Ghostbusters? He says, "Imagine the Twinkie." Uh. And he holds a Twinkie up. He's like, now imagine this Twinkie's like, if we have paranormal activity and everybody's who've been, this Twinkie would be like 35 yards wide and weigh 200 tonnes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a big Twinkie. So, apparently NASA's going to find over 12,000 alien planets by 2024, including dozens of Earth-like worlds. Yeah, so this exoplanets we've just done is just part one. Because we're going to get to learn more and more as we put up more advanced space telescopes to find these planets so we haven't found one that's earth like yet with so our sort of temperatures but in the future we are because of these telescopes. Well, hopefully yeah that's the idea that's yeah. what they predict then we'll all get on the penis rocket <laughs> <laughs> launched four years ago the transiting exoplanet survey satellite or the tess is a space telescope designed to hunt for undiscovered worlds and it's surging an area of sky 400 times larger than that covered by the Kepler mission in a bid to find candidates that could host alien life. So far TESS has found nearly 5,000 worlds of all shapes and sizes including gas giants, Neptune-like ice worlds and so-called super-Earths. They wear capes you see. <laughs> A super-Earth has a mass higher than our planets below those of the ice giants Uranus and Neptune. A paper published online last month predicted the number of exoplanets a test will find over the course of its seven-year mission, and researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, or MIT, made their calculations using data collected by the $287 million spacecraft to date. In total, the researchers expect the discovery of 4,719 exoplanets from TESS's prime mission, which ran from 2018 to 2020, and a further 3,707 and 4,093 worlds will emerge from its first and second extended missions that will run from 2022 to 2024, and that a staggering total of 12,519 exoplanets including dozens of Earth-like worlds that may or may not host alien microbes, or means we can go and live on them, or conquer them for the good of humanity. <laughs> I don't like the sound of conquering. Sorry, Claire, we're going to need that space. Imagine if we did find a planet, though, and it had, like, it was just, like, primitive Earth, and it was just basically a big blank canvas just for us to fuck up like we've done this but we start shifting everybody over give ourselves a few more million years kind of thing unless we like get really really good at reproducing and recycling and or 3d printing shit we're always going to strip whatever we need from whatever planet we're on aren't we because that's the only way we know how to make stuff resources make things 
So is, is it going to be a case of we just, we outstrip one planet, we move to the next like a swarm of locusts? Or is it we go out there and we try and make agri-worlds, so one of the most temperate worlds has to be given over to farming to feed other planets in the system that aren't as habitable? In the, yeah, in the future, that's probably what it's like. Yeah. Basically, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard work, and what the whole planet has come together and do it. Can't be one country doing it. Oh, we're miles away from it. We really do need to look at it as like we're on a one planet. If we want the species to survive... We want the life on the planet to survive, yeah. We need to get off this planet. We just, you know, we just save this planet first. No, nah, no, nah, let's just get off it and find another. We'll Thanos we this get shit. There, can we? Now nah, we're gonna kind of Thanos it. You live in fucking cuckoo land, don't you? Yes, like I usually am. <laughs> That's what I do. That's my thing. This is the only lot planet we know that is. We set off now. It's like a life. We set off now. Go on then. Inbred, you know, about four hundred people at the other end. All looking like Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and what greater society would that bit? What could there ever be? As each one's younger models of each, would have like a an extra limb or somewhere yeah. like a couple well, of them have got like a hand coming out of their forehead <laughs> and that because it's so inbred over the years what a great society that would be if they're all from my genetic stock Jesus can you imagine them high-fiving each other just like headbutting <laughs> their head hands oh that is harsh it'll be a race of Aryan supermen uh, that's what they'd be clearly be a bunch of tall blue eyed gods <laughs> you worship me this is the inbred version of you is tall blonde blue eyed like Nordic God. It's all sorting itself out over the course of things. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> there was a stage of people with heads on foreheads and then it went spread out. It weeded itself it out. It weeded itself out and, you know, we got away with it. Now, before we end the episode, we should mention that according to some people, there are other planets out there, aren't there? There are. Not inhabited by aliens. Indeed. Most notable ones. The Draco system, the reptilians' homeworld. The one where that really dark planet was. Yeah, yeah. so... Zeta Reticuli. And Zeta Reticuli, which we do know about, where the, uh, the Greys' home world, apparently. Okay. Now you have the little creepy sexist men that break in your house and anally probe you and abduct you and stuff. And it's also the planet the Xenomorphs are from on Aliens as well. LV-426. Mm. It's in the Zeta Reticuli system, though, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Shit, yeah. What, check out our Alien episode? It is, you're right. Zeta Reticulous, so we're 40,000 light years away, something like that. Mm. And of course, as I forget, Project Serpo. Yeah. Uh, when humans and uh, went on an exchange mission to the planet Serpo, allegedly, with the aliens. Check out our episode on that. Yeah. That's one to look into, guys, if you're interested. When a human, human and aliens did a, uh, an exchange project. And Serpo, it did go well, did it? It did. Most of the humans died. No, it was 12 went, I think a couple died, a couple stayed, and like eight came home. Well, I'm a bit differently. Well, you would because you were biased towards it. <laughs> I believe in it. It's true that is Project Serpo. Check it out. All right, let's end the show on some fucked up facts. Jingle, please. Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 facts. 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 facts.
Nice. <laughs> Whatever someone to do another one. When at Eton, George Orwell wanted to help a friend get revenge on a bully. Right. So he made a wax figure out of him, mm -hmm. broke off its right leg, and a few days later the bully broke his leg playing football. So George Orwell made a voodoo doll <laughs> yeah. of this bully. Quality. <laughs> Apparently. Surprises me. Bollocks. Probably. It's not much of a fact then, is it, if it's bollocks? Well, That's it's just called fucked up facts, Mike. We need it, facts. It probably happened, but it was just complete coincidence. Yeah. yeah. But still, good nice coincidence. It's a voodoo priest. Mm. Conjecture. Voodoo lady. Oh, yeah. Give me a voodoo lady any other week. <laughs> it's creme brulee, isn't it? It is. But still, give me a voodoo lady any other week. Boredom makes people behave more sadistically. I did start killing more civilians on card <laughs> when I was in lockdown. I wondered where you were going with that. When, <laughs> I, when, I, was in, when I was in the TA, I did start killing more civilians <laughs> on downtime night. Yeah. <laughs> I was walking around Telford with my SA80s like, I'm bored, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not why I was investigated for war crimes at the Hague. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, when I really got into I, I was playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey during lockdown, because it was just before Valhalla came out. By the end, I did start killing more innocent people, because I was like the highest ranked mercenary in the land, and no one could touch me who was going to try and hunt me down. So I was just like, ah, fuck it, I'm done now. Yeah. It's like on Fable when we went bad. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto, can't do the missions. Always get bored, start seeing if I can get my wanted level up by just like gunning down people. Mm -hmm. it's like, see how long I can evade the police for. I was about in Fable when you want to go bad, it's just like, oh, I'm sick of being good. Eat some crunchy chicks, kill them. <laughs> yeah. Spend 10 minutes just killing random civilians and you'll have big horns. It's like, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> Like go from innocent angel with a bloody halo over your head to full on Dark demon like. Well, ten minutes of killing civilians. I mean, that's how many civilians are you killing? Ten minutes. Oh, at least a hundred. There you go. I'd imagine that's enough. <laughs> Don't forget the crunchy chicks <laughs> and the crunchy chicks. Next, next fact. In 1900, Argentina had a tax on unmarried men. <laughs> that's a shitter. That's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. But men whose proposals were turned down were exempt from the tax. Oh, so you just propose to some random you woman. Just you just ask everyone to marry yeah. you. Yeah. Can you marry me? No. Well, enterprising women promptly set up businesses where they would reject men's proposals so they could be exempt from the tax. So you paid yeah. like, I don't know. Paid her a bit. I don't know what the... Will right, you marry me? Ask me to marry it. Ask me to marry it. I'll say no, and then, you know, I'll make it quite public that I've said no, yeah. and you give me X amount of Yeah. Yeah. Ask me every week. No, we have one off transaction, I imagine. No, one on one, yeah, yeah. Like a five as worth as I wonder how long 50 the, quid or something. I wonder how long it, it would last. Like the Probably a year. It's usually a tax year, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you so yeah, yeah. I swear to marry on the first of April. <laughs> they tell you down, you go like, Oh yeah, she said no. Next year comes. I fell in love with this woman again. She said no. Oh yeah. Pretty much. Is that why Italians are just like, hey, baby, I love you, marry me. Yeah, possibly. 
If they're from Argentina, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in 1900 as well. <laughs> Specifically, during, I don't imagine it lasted long, this tax. Probably not. After the loopholes were found. Yeah, it can rub off on generations, Mike. Uh, all the way in Italy. <laughs> not the accent or the law. <laughs> in order to test in-flight Wi-Fi, Boeing fills their planes with potatoes. Why? I've heard that before. That's no way to talk about their passengers. Because of the conductiveness of them, and they've got the same weight and mass as people, because it's like the water oh, levels so in them and things like that. So you like stick that. like a sack of potatoes on each seat? Because of the water, it's like pretty much the same water content, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Potatoes interfere with signals the same way as a human body. Okay. Oh, so they just use them for testing and see if yeah. they're... Yeah, I have heard that before. Not that particular, like, on aeroplanes, but I've yeah. heard about potatoes being used as human dummies, essentially. The project was called Synthetic Personnel Using Dielectric Substitution. Spuds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to use potatoes during those nuclear bomb tests, eh? Instead of people. Mm. Servicemen. Civilians. Fishermen. Oh, if only they'd done that, eh? Potatoes out instead. And all those animals. Well, in that circumstance, probably pig carcasses. If you want to see... They had pigs and live pigs and goats and everything on there. Uh, Chickens, all sorts. Potatoes are just cheaper, though, aren't they? Ten dogs for space, aren't they? Ten, listen, yeah, dogs and chimps. Potatoes behave better, though. <laughs> yeah. Potatoes <laughs> in space. <laughs> they can't quite relay information back, but they're really well behaved. Mm. They do sit when they're told. Conversations very limited. <laughs> I like it. No one knows if spiders fart. <laughs> I'm speechless. Why wouldn't they know if they can like they can dissect one and I'll look at it? Uh... Anal glands and no, such. digestive and system. Surely they could, you know. No, spiders are hell-like creatures. The only way to deal with spiders is to burn your house down. <laughs> I like them. I fucking Kill hate spiders. spiders. Hate them. There's one in my room. It's dead. Has a temerity to come into my fucking space. It's I don't dead. Even, I can't even kill flies. I don't. They pops off in the summer. They all come in in the summer. They come in at the end of the summer. At the end of the summer, you have fucking loads. No, don't want that. They Why die. They make it through the winter. I don't care if they make it through the winters. There's too many of them. Get rid of them. Don't like them. Totally cut something out of like the food chain. Well, that's they can do what they want as long as they don't come in my room or anywhere I live. They stay at my house. I'm fine with them. They can do what they want. Apparently, Pinocchio's nose, when yeah. he extends when he tells a lie, there's some truth in that. Right. Because in 2012, research at the University of Granada showed that the temperature of people's noses increases when they tell a lie. Therefore, I guess it expands a bit. I guess so. Blood rushes to it. Yeah. That's going to be a millimetre. Yeah, I know, but it's got some truth in it. Yeah. Do you think Geppetto abused Pinocchio? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have had a go on that nose and the way that. you said yeah then like yeah. as if like if I was Geppetto if I could make yeah. a wooden boy come to I'd life I'd spit it on that nose <laughs> tell me a lie you little bastard <laughs> lie you bastard you need to tell though 
Complained because squirrels kept hiding acorns in the venue sand. Yeah, I did love the women's beach volleyball. That was my favourite Olympic event. They were great, though, weren't they? Barefoot. Mm. Yeah, they would. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly the sand wasn't being raked often enough. What they should have done is they should have had some kind of cover over it. Simples. Well, they usually they did it at horse cars, which has got a sand, sandy front anyway. They just added more sand for the volleyball, so I guess schools are probably doing their uh, business in that age because, you know, just pass through in it. I think the raking person just needs to up the game. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm with you. The raking guy needs to up his game. And a tarp. And a tarp would help. You need a tarp, you just need the guy to do his job properly. I mean, if you just put a tarp over it at night, done. Why don't you just get a squirrel sniper? Hire a couple of peregrine falcons or something just yeah. to like hunt squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Next. During World War Two, Max von Lau and James Frank's Nobel Prize medals were dissolved in acid and sat on a shelf in a Danish lab to hide them from the Nazis. Later, the gold was recovered and the medals were recast. Mm. Cool. Cool, but why? To hide them. Well, I just want to, what are they going to steal them? I mean, yeah. Why? <laughs> no, the gold. Didn't they took all the gold teeth of the Jews. Oh well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Seems a bit petty to go after a medal though, when you've got all those people there with their teeth and, and stuff. Medals from the opposition, wasn't it as well? well I don't know. Nobel prizes, yeah. she's in Switzerland, don't they? Yeah. I have no idea either way. It's kind of cool. Well, it's not cool. It's terrible. But that had to happen. Yeah. SpaceX's satellite dishes are heated to prevent snow build-up. They must be quite low, aren't they? No, on the ground. Ah. Oh, cool. Satellite dishes, yeah. A lot, a lot of football pitches are as well. That's yeah, that's true. Online. American cats have discovered this and are curling up on the dishes to warm themselves on cold day, interrupting <laughs> streaming services. Yeah. Feline snipers. <laughs> 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 We'll use uh, bald eagles for that one. Yeah. Did I just hear an eagle screech? Means freedom. Freedom of streaming. Freedom full stop. Every, that's what happens every time an eagle screeches, it means freedom. Maybe it's, it's just more pussy trying to get on the internet. <laughs> You'd pissed off if your cat was killed on your satellite dish, or you'd have a wank though, wouldn't you? Pussy's pussy. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's interrupting your streaming. Some kids have chucked eggs at my satellite dish. Little bastards. You can see them. They're all fucking like, you know, because they did it on a frosty day, so they're frosty. <laughs> so they stuck to it. Luckily, we're not on Skyline. <laughs> I'm virgin, but I was just like little bastards. Shall I paint a, like, you know, a target on there? That'd be quite funny. If you want something to do, innit? Oh, if you want eggs dribbling down your house, it's not just the winter that I do it. If you paint a target on your house, it's going to be the summer as well. 
You want to be sat in your garden or something? Eggs come over. Eggs dribbling down the wall. I don't know what I've got on my side of the fence there, do That's true. Could I have some kind of catapult or trebuchet? A shit yeah. catapult. A shit catapult? Yeah. Two dogs. I've got two dogs. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. No. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Next fact. Yeah. Minnesota has added new snow players to their fleet. Joining Plowy McPlowface are no Mr. Ice Guy. <laughs> Edward Blizzard Hands. Oh, nice. Control Salt Delete. Oh. Uh, I like that one. Amongst others. Plowy McPlowface is ripping off boat in a boat face, right, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, still, never let the public name anything. I've heard there was one in the UK it called David. Didn't get named it though. No, it didn't. It was they a. Didn't name it. They gave, they basically vetoed it. Yeah. There's a, there's a gritter in the UK called David Plowy. <laughs> I think it's from County in Scotland. It's got like 167 gritters, and they let the public name them all. Uh, well. In 2018, Munafri Arifuddin ran unopposed for mayor of Makassar, Indonesia. He lost the election to none of the above. <laughs> How do you lose an election when it's just you? Just There's a box vote. saying none of the above and everyone ticked that. Oh, okay. yeah. Didn't want him that badly. <laughs> you don't want any of them. What a twat. Anarchy. It's the only way. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll end on this one then. There are no fewer than seven mountains called Molly's Nipple in Utah. Huh. It was Molly. She must have been. She must have had big nipples. Wasn't she? Hey, you see that mountain over there? Reminds you of Molly's nipple. Let's call it that. Maybe they're all just being mistaken. There's only one Molly's nipple, but they're all like, you know. Or maybe it was just they were all discovered by one guy who was obsessed with Molly's nipples. No, that's a possibility too. Yeah. Well, that one looks like Molly's nipple! Well, I saw it was that one! Oh, and that one too! Look that there! Molly's nipple, yeah! Well done, you just alienated half out of the listenership. <laughs> <laughs> Pete was doing the crazy cook guy on the uh, wagon train impression then. Not, that's what the crazy cook guy always sounds like, isn't it? Yeah. One with the big beard and he never gets out of his long johns. <laughs> yeah, that's like that voice. Not pioneer settler. No, definitely Crazy not. bearded man in his long johns voice. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, let's move on quickly. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Ben. Don't drink the flavour Don't join the call. Cool. And follow us on Facebook at Cunt the Bull and the Post-Truth Apocalypse. SoundCloud on Cunt the Bull and the PTA. That's where you can find us on most of the platforms under that name. And YouTube, doing well at the moment, Apocalypse Ball. I've been Mike, thanks for listening. Peace out, Mother Force be with you. I've been Claire, keep an open mind. I've got not so open that it spills out your ears. I've been Pete, aim high, shoot low. 